Welcome to day 115 of Shaped by the Word. I'm Paul Kemp here with Katie Kresge and Matthew Kresge, and uh, we continue moving through the book of 1 Corinthians. We've uh, talked about uh, every time we've read Corinthians how the church is deeply confused. There are a lot of worldly ideas that are slipping into the church and a lot of Greek philosophical ideas, and so they're building a kind of a hybrid of ministry that uh, you know resembles in some ways pagan worship in some ways you know Greek philosophy you even have the varying factions of Greek philosophy kind of facing off within the church and so Paul is trying to bring him back to a wisdom that is from God it's different from worldly wisdom and it is different from worldly approaches to worship and of course he's having to deal with a lot of you know different issues so we started off you know with the issues of factions how everyone had their favorite teacher we move you know, now to uh, how you carry your body, you know, sexually. And this is one of the places where they are really being influenced, mm-hmm. you know, by the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we pick up um, in First uh, Corinthians chapter 5. But before we do, as always, uh, let's offer ourselves in this moment to the Lord. Katie, do you mind lifting mm-hmm. us up? Father, um, thank you for this time that you've given us together. And... Um, Lord, I pray that just as we approach um, these passages, that that your Spirit would give us wisdom um, as we kind of wrestle with what things um, might mean, what they might have meant for the readers then, and what they mean for us now. Um, God, would you would you help us to um, interpret your Word and help the Spirit to, or would the Spirit guide us as we um, see how it applies to us now today, and um, would you just help us to um, to let the gospel inform how we live each day? Um, and would we continue to come back to your word, continue to seek you day in and day out, um, and not be so shaped by the world around us? It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Uh, it is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you, and of a kind that even pagans do not tolerate. A man is sleeping with his father's wife, and you're proud. Shouldn't you rather have gone into mourning and have put out of your fellowship the man who has been doing this? For my part, even though I'm I'm not physically present, I am with you in spirit. As one who is present with you in this way, I have already passed judgment in the name of our Lord Jesus on the one who has been doing this. So when you're assembled and I'm with you in spirit, and the power of our Lord Jesus is present, hand this man over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, so that his spirit may be saved on the day of the Lord. Your boasting is not good. Don't you know that a little yeast leavens the whole batch of dough? Get rid of the old yeast so that you um, may be a new unleavened batch as you really are. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us keep the festival, not with the old bread leavened with malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. I wrote to in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meaning the people of this world who are immoral or greedy and swindlers or idolaters. In that case, you would have to leave this world. But now I'm writing to you that you must not associate with anyone who claims to be a brother or sister, but is sexually immoral or greedy or an idolater or a slanderer or a drunkard or a swindler. Do not even eat with such people. What business is of mine to judge those outside of the church? Are you not to judge those inside? God will judge those outside. Expel the wicked person from among you. 
if any of you has a dispute with another, do you dare take it before the ungodly for in judgment instead of before the Lord's people? Or do you not know that the Lord's people will judge the world? And if you were to judge the world, are you not competent to judge trivial cases? Do you not know that we will judge angels? How much more the things of this life? Therefore, if you have disputes about such matters, do you ask for a ruling from those whose way of life is scorned by the church? I say this to your shame. Is it possible that there's nobody among you wise enough to judge a dispute between believers, but instead one brother takes another to court, and this in front of unbelievers? The very fact that you have lawsuits among you means you have been completely defeated already. Why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be cheated? Instead, you yourselves cheat, and you do wrong, and you do this to your brothers and sisters. Or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexual immorality, nor idolatry, immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything but I'll not be mastered by anything. You say food for the stomach and stomach for the food, and God will destroy them both. The body, however, is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead, and he will also raise us. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? So I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it is said, the two will become one flesh. But whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body. But whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you've received from God? You're not your own. You're bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Uh, some hard words, some hard circumstances, mm-hmm. and of course, you know, attitudes about sexuality from the world around them are, you know, kind of sliding into the Corinthian church. But they've actually gone a little bit further. In this one instance, you know, Paul says, "You are doing something that even they, as as uh, as unbridled as they are in their sexual expression, even they would reject, mm-hmm. you know, what you're doing." And of course, you're having one faction. This is one faction. You know, kind of of Greek philosophy that's sliding in, where it says, you know, uh, the body and, and the soul are just two kind of different things. Mm-hmm. And so your body is just, you know, this tent that's going to be cast away. So what you do with your body, no harm, no foul, you, anything is permissible. And besides, God's grace is so deep, you know, we can be forgiven for all of this. So, and it's how you care for your spirit, and your spirituality is different, you know, than, you know, what you do with your body every day. And of course, uh, Paul reminds them, your, your body's going to be raised, your body's going to be judged, and your body's going to live for eternity. God redeemed your bodies, therefore your body and accounts, and accounts for everything. I can remember when we were in college, one of the movements that kind of was popular was trying to kind of rediscover, get back to, let's be an early church, you know, let's let's be like a church just like what Paul had, and, and 
you start reading First Corinthians, and it's like I'm not sure that's the the solution to all of our problems is just get back to. I mean, the early church had its problems, you know, just as we do today, and and it's because sin hasn't gone away. You know, mm-hmm. we're still seeing. Um, just how rampant our sin is and how deep it goes and how destructive it can be. And, and even, I mean, you know, he's dealing with this case of incest, and but it's it's striking to me in verse 2 and verse 6, he says, and are you proud? And your boasting is not good. you know. And so here he is dealing with the case of incest, but he's dealing with their pride and their boasting as well. And, and we tend to kind of maybe, there's those sins that we view as acceptable, as long as we don't have some of these more... Um, uh, just ones we would look at and say, whoa, how did you go yeah. that far? Yeah. I mean, twice Paul says, look at your pride and your boasting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and of course, what they're boasting about is their their freedom in Christ. Mm-hmm. And, and Paul, you know, evidently, you know, they had a little saying. And if you'll notice, you know, in the translation NIV, it's in quotation marks about mm-hmm. the time we see it. Everything is yeah. is permissible. In other words, God's grace is so big. And uh, it's really, you know, eternity that matters, you know, not this moment that matters. So we can receive God's grace and live under God's grace and live however we please. And, of course, that's the last thing, you know, that we should be doing. And so Paul, you know, writes back to them, you know, it's not, you know, about what is permissible, but what is beneficial and what is profitable. In other words, what is it that uh, brings us into a deeper relationship with Christ and a deeper, you know, uh, a deeper community, you know, with, with, with the Lord. It's interesting to see how he deals with them um, as far as what they do, how they handle um, the, the disagreements, the matters between them, and how often they'll take it to um, a judge outside of the church. And in doing so, they're totally representing Christ in, you know, a, in a, I want to say yucky. I'm such a stay-at-home mom, but in a in a bad way, you know. The, these unbelievers are seeing these quarrels happen between believers, and instead of handling it inside, um, they're representing Christ in the outside world um, and misrepresenting Christ. And um, it's just interesting to see how how he handles that and how he deals with the whole. I mean, how he talks about the leaven. Um, thought that was a really yep. poignant. And, and of course, there were two you know two marks you know that Paul is saying. Um, distinguish you as, you know, as being worldly. One is you have disputes in the first place, mm-hmm. and, and the second is is you're airing your dirty laundry, you know, in front in, in front of the world. And not only he said, you know, shouldn't you have wisdom? You're one day going to be called to, you know, judge angels. Shouldn't you have enough wisdom to be able to re- resolve this between the two of you? Who are in the church, yeah. and, and and not only that, the gospel calls us to a willingness to to be wronged for the sake of unity. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things you know in our culture, you know, as well as we were very demanding of our rights, and, and we should be protective, you know, of of the human rights, you know, that have been enshrined in our constitution. But on the other side of that, we should also be willing to lay aside our rights for the greater good of the unity of the body of the body of Christ. And he said, uh, "Why not rather be wronged?" Yeah. Which is a, a strong challenge to anyone living the gospel. To, to take you know to take some of those small hits, mm-hmm. I guess, and maybe even large hits. I kind of yeah. translated it down <laughs> to small hits, yeah. you yeah. know, for the yeah. sake of the gospel. We have to ask ourselves the question: How am I representing Christ and His Church in the world around me? I mean, how do people who don't know Him and um, who aren't walking with Him, how do they view Him b- because of my life and the you know the arguments that I'm 
jumping into or whatever um, publicly, especially with social mm-hmm. media. I know we talk about it so much, but it's such a huge part of of who we are as a country, um, as a society. And so, yeah, like if we are jumping into arguments um, constantly, you know, how are we representing our God? Um, probably. Whenever my kids were in grade school and I'd drop them off to school, that'd be one of the last things I would say to them, remember who you represent. Mm -hmm. And of course, that would be good for all of us and all of our actions. You know, certainly, you know, certainly on social media that we're more famous, you know, for the qualities that are reflective of who we are in Christ and our desire to win an argument or, uh, you know, to kind of slap back at people who are you know, slapping at us mm-hmm. and uh, so to represent you know, Christ, you know, to represent Christ well. And, and we lose sight, of, especially in social media, because we depersonalize everyone there. You know, there, it's a computer screen we're responding to, not, yeah. you know, people on the other other side of the issue. Yeah. I love to, I mean, just reading this in light of what we talked about on Monday, you know, where Paul says, you, you boast in your wisdom. You know, mm-hmm. you boast that you are people who are of nobility and status, and then he goes to chapter six, and he's like, "Is there even a wise person among you?" You know, mm-hmm. I mean, and you just have to love that he he's kind of appealing to them. You know, let's lay these things aside, and and so I, I just side note, it's kind of fun <laughs> to see Paul. Yeah, I mean, and I like that just, how he handles the um, the fact that he doesn't hold unbelievers to the same kind of standards that he's holding believers to. So he's saying like, I'm not telling you to not hang out or what does he say? Um, I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meaning the people of this world, because if, if I asked you to do that, then you would, I would have to ask you to not yeah. be in this world. That's where we're wanting to know. Where's that letter? What, what letter? Paul? Uh, I got gotcha. you. That's a different might letter. Be another letter. Yeah. yeah so, He's talking about the people who be, who say that they're believers, brothers and sisters in Christ, who are still partaking in those now, things. And, and we do need to see here the strong thing. And of course, you're going to see it in chapter 9 even more when Paul says, I become all things to all people, so that by all possible means I might save some. Engagement with the world is very important, and, and we are going to have to have you know, the first thing we want to do is not go into the world to correct their behavior, mm-hmm. right. which is a lot of what we, we try to do. We think that's our job. Uh, you know, the first thing to do is to introduce them to the gospel and allow them to come into the saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, which changes their mm-hmm. heart. Well, I, I love, too, I mean, so much of what Paul does here is he, he calls attention to this sin, but, but it's not, I mean, I, I think what we have to see for Paul, especially when he gets to chapter 6, is, you know, is to consider our own sin, but then to consider the power of the gospel to overcome that sin and to live a holy life. Because he says, you know, do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor the drunkards or slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And he goes, and that was what some of you were. But yeah, but you were you were washed. washed. Yeah. You were sanctified. You were yeah. justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. And that is the kind of the indicatives of the gospel that empower the imperatives to now live a holy life, because we used to be that way, but yeah. we've received something far greater. No doubt. Mm-hmm. And, and and of course you have to hate Paul's list, yeah. you know, because his list you know usually have big sins, and we're going yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure, you know, but then the, the the list moves, you know, it gets you know intensely personal. So you, you know, at the end of you know, you know chapter five, verse eleven, uh, not associate with anyone who claims to be your brother or sister, but is sexually immoral, okay, or greedy, 
whoops, yeah. an idolater or a slander or a drunkler or, or a, you know, don't even mm-hmm. that that's, you know, that that's pretty strong yeah. uh, that we shouldn't tolerate, you know, any of those greed or idolatry. Well, wow, yeah. that's yeah. just amazingly convicting uh, on, on all of that. But um, a lot, you know, a lot to think about, you know, as always. Mm-hmm. Father, thanks for your grace. Wow. You've reminded us, and as we've read this book, that we were lowly, that we were without status, that we were in the spies things of this world, and yet in, in Christ Jesus we've received a new status, and that we were, you know, sinful, just like the rest of the world, like those who will not inherit the kingdom. We were that, um, but we have been washed, we have been sanctified, we have been justified, and you have, by your grace, redeemed us. Father, give us a gracious heart as we we learn how to engage with a world as everything but what you've called us to be. Help us to hold our convictions in a way that are compelling and and not condemning, uh, enriching, uh, and and not devastating. May we carry the gospel well. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. Amen.